What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a new episode of the Antler Up podcast. We are on episode 79. On today's episode, Dimitri and I sit down, have a conversation with Jack Crick from Nexus Bowhunting. We had a great time talking to Jack about a variety of topics. We discussed how he has been hunting Australia since he's been three years old with his father, the type of game he hunts, the hunting tactics, and how he approaches spot and stock. We also get into the importance of having proper gear in the backcountry, practice and shooting your bow, especially for him when you hear about how they hunt 365 days a year and having a good arrow set up for whatever you are hunting. So sit back, enjoy this fun episode. Till next time, Antler Up. Before we get into this podcast, I want you to know of a few things, discount codes that maybe you're not aware of. So first one up is go save some money over at the Elk Collective, the virtual elk hunting resource. Use code podcast to save $30 today and then use code antlerup at Spartan Forge and get yourself a membership there. So check those both out, save some cash, get ready for the upcoming season. Also want to take the time to thank our partners over at Shea Butler Knives. Shea makes custom everyday carry knives with his Rhino in Pursuit. His Ranger and Whitetail knives are amazing for anything, but especially in the field. Also right now we have the Featherlight. I'm so excited for that one as well. With his creativity, high quality materials, and the functionality and unique designs, coupled with his precise leatherwork, make products that will last a lifetime. Check them out. Amazing family. ShaeButlerKnives.com. Also want to thank our partners over at Tethered. Teaching train tours are still popping up across the states this summer. We got one possibly coming down our way uh, that we're going to host at the end of August here in central Pennsylvania. Uh, See what we got going on. If not, we're still going to try to do an event at a 3D uh, shoot. So be on the lookout for that where we could, you know, I'll bring my setup. Dimitri will bring his. We're going to start doing some, uh, get people in saddles and demonstrating some stuff for people that maybe have never been in one or never ch- tried a tethered one. So check that out. It's going to be towards the end of August here in central Pennsylvania. We're going to do a uh, 3D shoot. We're going to have a podcast, some fun things coming down the line for that as well. But check out tethernation.com. And before we get into this episode, I want to thank America's Best Bowstrings. Man, like I said last week, 3D season is upon us. Hunting season is fast fast, fast approaching. Now's the time to put those orders in. Like I said, uh, last week, even I got a new set coming platinum series set coming for my Nexus four for hunting season. And you know, right now I think the lead time's two weeks. So get that order in right away. We say it every single week. We love our platinum series strings quality. The performance is unmatched hand built here in the USA since 2006. Go create a custom set today for yourself. America's best bowstrings.com. That's it, everybody, for this week. Let's get into it with Jack. Enjoy this one. Great dude. Check them out. Antler up. It is Wednesday, 10.30 a.m., all bright and ready in the morning. So, yeah, it's really, really good. There's definitely a time delay there. So Yeah, no, man. I appreciate you taking the time to come on with Dimitri and I and, and talk to us a little bit about what you have going on over at Nexus Bow Hunting, but also what you have going on. And that's where I, I really want to dive into, um, you know, first, so – We'll just talk a little bit about yourself, Jack, and you know who who you are, where you're coming from, and what's the the man behind for what you're doing. No, so obviously, I'm, obviously, my my name's Jack Crick. So, so obviously, that we've we've covered that there. But I uh, know I've just been a just a, a regular bow hunter from Australia, I guess. Uh, always just growing up with um, with my dad and uh, a few of his mates, sort of hunting. That's how I sort of learnt and um, grew up. Well, I currently live in Newcastle, New South Wales. Um, which is where the, the HQ for, for Nexus is. And, and yeah, so I, I was lucky enough to stumble across this opportunity with, with Nick and Adam. So that was um, a really, really good opportunity for me. I did the bow, whole, whole bow hunting thing. I've lived bow hunting my whole life. So to finally, or to, to land a, a job or like a career and something in this, in this field is absolutely uh, incredible. So, I, I, so I'm very grateful for where I am at the moment. But I said, yeah, just, just a regular sort of bow hunter from, from Australia. So yeah, we've, we're pretty lucky over here with what we can um what we can do and hunting opportunities and stuff like that like i know in the u.s you guys are kind of restricted to seasons and all that sort of stuff but over here we can pretty much hunt 24 7 365 so that's awesome um, it's yeah it's a really it's a really good opportunity over here 
Nice. When did you get into hunting? Like you said, I, I listened to a podcast that you previously did and you say like, you know, you started at a young age and what was that kind of like getting introduced to hunting and, and you know, who was your biggest influences regarding that? No. So jumping, jumping into that, I was, um, I've been hunting since I was three. I'm currently 24, just turned 24, uh, about four weeks ago. So, um, yeah, I've been hunting since I was three. I just, my main influence was my dad. Like I said, a lot of probably the same for a lot of like most people, the dad introduces them. Um, and then you sort of pick it up from there. And I was, I was bitten by the bug at a very early age. I've <laughs> loved it ever since then. Um, just sort of started out like my dad made me a, uh, a bow out of bit of, bit of conduit and, and paracord sort of thing. It was just like a, very, very dodgy setup, but uh, it, was, it was enough to get me going and spark the, spark the addiction that I had today. So. That's awesome. Now, is hunting popular thing in Australia? Like, is it something the majority of people do? Is, is you know, is you kind of the minority being a hunter in, in that country? So with hunting in Australia, it's, it, is, it is popular for a lot of the uh, sort of, I guess you'd call them country guys. Um, they have like a lot of them would be introduced to art or not maybe not so bow hunting, but like just rifle shooting and, um, and especially like pig dogging over here. Um, that's a, that's a big thing. Like a lot of the, a lot of the guys get into pig dogging and, and shooting guns because most, most people on a farm will have some sort of rifle as a pest control sort of thing for, um, for obviously for the farm to, to benefit that. But a lot of, a lot, you wouldn't, you don't, you wouldn't say a lot of people are bow hunters over here. Like there's definitely a fair, a fair few of us, but, um, yeah, hunting is probably a minority and it's, it can be frowned upon, I guess, I guess like anywhere it can be, it can be frowned upon if it's, um, yeah, okay, so it, it can, can be frowned upon, but actually for, for a lot of, for a lot of people, they do grow up with some kind of hunting or they do know of some kind of hunting, but yeah, for me, I was straight in, straight into bow hunting at an early age. I was never really introduced to rifles or pig dogging or that sort of thing. So I was introduced straight into the, straight into the elite part of the hunting, I guess. <laughs> I know uh, hunting 365 would not be good for my marriage. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's definitely. Um, I've def- definitely, definitely, definitely seen that. Kind of, I'm, I'm not in a relationship or anything, so it does give me the, the, uh, the ability to go hunting 365 days a year. And this, this year is probably the first. This, the, the end of last year and the, and the start of this year, which are the first six months of this year is the first time I've really had the opportunity to, to put my. Uh, full 100% focus into hunting, like just with previous jobs and stuff like that. I haven't had the ability to, to hunt as frequently as I have been this year. But um, yes, like I said, having, having the ability to hunt whenever you want is, is certainly a, a benefit over here in Australia. Like, yeah, like I said, we're not restricted to seasons as, as so, but um, yeah, we, we, still, we still have our seasons for, for game and stuff like that uh, that are preferable for hunting scenarios. And um, like I said, currently it's our, what, what we'd call our mountain ball kind of hunting season because the cooler weather brings the brings the sour into se- sours into seasons and um and yeah we've like I said that's that's what we're kind of focusing on now through the winter months yeah so I, the the cool thing when you think about the species you know over here we have I would say the the top uh, I mean as far as like deer are concerned obviously you got white tail you got mule deer you have the elk you know obviously black bear I would say the those four are the four major species that you're going after i mean uh, tur- people will go nuts about obviously about turkey so those like five five species are what people go nuts for here in the united states you know what what are those top game because i mean i see you always going out there and posting those big hogs that you get over there and and i know previously too like in the spring you had a big rut with one of your species that i, I don't, I don't want to say the wrong species so that's why i'm kind of letting that one go but you know, talk about like what, what are the main things that you're hunting and like when, and kind of like you could even dive into the type of weather that and terrain that, that you're going in after these, these guys. Yeah. So like the, the sort of main, like most, most people would be introduced to bow hunting or hunting in general over here to probably feral goats is probably the number one thing most people will kind of be introduced to, but we have that, that sort of top five that people will sort of hunt will be, uh, goats, uh, like, like pigs or, ho- or hogs as you guys call them um and like and deer and then sort of foxes that, those are probably the top that, that's but that's four but there's like a, obviously the few species of deer that we have over here like um like red deer and fallow deer and like we have six species of deer in australia but i'd say red deer and fallow deer are the, the number ones that are targeted um those are sort of targeted throughout the well for, for us it's autumn it's like late late march early 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 april i should say um those are the 
sort of months that you'll target those guys. And that's just, just brings the, that brings the highs and the does into season. And that's just the, the deer rut as we call it. Yeah. Um, and then I said leading, leading into the winter months, that's when you start to get the, the, the bigger boars and stuff, like the bigger, the bigger pigs and stuff starting to come out. Um, like I said, you can, so you can hunt pretty much anything all year round, but those are kind of the, but for deer, it's uh, the autumn autumn months, and then for for pigs, it's it's the winter months, and for goats, it's basically just year round. Like they're just they yeah. just get around all year. There's no real season for them. They can be they can be they can be rutting in in summer. They can be rutting in winter. They can be rutting in spring. So, um, and then foxes are obviously just a, a scavenger sort of species. They just they're just around all the all year round. I know hearing just from previous podcasts and seeing like video footage of even Adam, but I know like, you know, obviously Cam Haynes came over and, and hunted water Buffalo. Is that like another, uh, is like, what would you say that kind of tag or that type of season is uh, for an individual to come over and want to hunt a water Buffalo? Yeah. So for, for water Buffalo, um, you can go with like, 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 a mon- like a sort of monsoon sort of season. That's kind of, not really a great time to go because there's a lot of water, like a lot of water and stuff around, which can, which can also help um, with like feet, like food and stuff like that, like hunting foods, like food sources and stuff like that. But generally, in the sort of top end part of Australia, hunting hot weather, like hunting the hot weather, is probably the best best part because you can target water a lot more. And obviously, every animal needs to drink, so you can yep. you can target the the, um, the water lines and the rivers and the creeks and stuff like that to have a lot more success there. But during so like, again you can sort of hunt them whenever you sort of want but um but in my opinion the hotter months would probably be more beneficial like i'm i'm not quite ex- quite as experienced in buffalo hunting like i've done plenty of research on it um and from what i can i can tell and like speaking with nick and adam and stuff they say the hunt like hunting the, the hotter months is um better, more beneficial so you can like so you can target the water and um they so said that draws draws a lot of the big old bulls in from out in the out in the plains it brings them into those uh, closer, closer areas. So yeah, that's that. That's what I'd personally recommend for anyone wanting to target water buffalo. Nice. Now, what is the license process? Is that something year to year? Do you have to purchase a license for each species? And then also, is there a, a limit on how many of each species you can take? So there is no licenses required to bow hunt in Australia. You can literally just go to a go to a store, pick up a bow, and head out that afternoon and go and go and shoot <laughs> stuff. So Dimitri, uh, Dimitri, when are we moving? Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, no, there's no, there's no licensing. There's no, you, you don't have to, there's no tag systems or anything in Australia. Like I said, you can hunt anything, uh, three, like 365 days a year. So, um, there was, for, uh, well, there, there is a few licenses you can have, like, you can have like a general hunting license. And that's with our, um, that's with our DPI, which is the department of primary industries. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there was a few licenses that you could have a couple of years ago, like the R license was required to shoot deer, um, like two or three years ago, but then they got declared as a pest. So then that license was sort of taken away and you could hunt them, uh, but yeah, so like I said, 365 days a year, but there was a, there was a bit of a designated season. You couldn't shoot them. Um, I think the date was, well, for us, it's Australia day. It's, um, what, the 26th of, 26th of, uh, 26th of January. Um, yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't hunt them in between, I think it was like late October and, uh, and January, but yeah, so now that's all, that's all gone because they've been, they've been declared a pest. Yeah. Um, and invasive species, like, like, I'm not sure if you guys knew about a, a massive drought that we had, yeah. um, you know, it's like sort of the last, uh, like, like the last sort of two, two years that's sort of been going on. It's only been the last six months. That's really sort of, um, dropped away and we've had a lot of, like a lot of rain and stuff, bringing some water back into the country. Um, but before, yeah, before that, they, they said they had the licenses and stuff, but, um, yeah, with, with that drought, just to help out the farmers, the deer were declared a pest and there was actually like a chopper shoot and all that sort of stuff. And, um, they went and, went and wiped out a lot of, a lot of the, um, the deer around the area, um, just to assist with farmers and, and stuff. Cause like there, there was a, there, there isn't like an excessive amount of, of deer in the, in the area that I particularly hunt. Um, so yeah, they, they went through and done a big, done a big cull. And it's like that's what like they declared them as a as a pest, and so you can hunt them whenever you want now. So Jeez. the purpose of the license in the United States, and you know uh, how many of each species you can take, that basically they're trying to manage of you know the game and make sure that 
this the numbers aren't getting extremely low you know so what sort of conservation you know is going on in australia or is there any other groups or societies that are trying to kind of manage each species and just make sure that you know they're just not the numbers are getting extremely low from hunting or is there just not enough hunters to to do that so like i said we have we have the department of primary industries they sort of keep an eye on on numbers and stuff like that and when numbers get high that's when they they go through and because like we, we do we, so we do have a lot of hunters but probably not quite the amount that you'd need to really take a take a toll on and keep and, and manage the numbers of species that we have um so yeah like the, the department keep an eye on on things and like especially like, pig, like pigs and and goats and and stuff they, they can breed they can breed very prolifically like it's like numbers can double and triple and quadruple yeah um quite quite quickly so um, when the, when those numbers start to get a bit high, like the department will will step in and they'll they'll do what they need to do to, to manage that. But um, like I said we don't we don't have really have too much in the way of conservation, which is one thing that we probably could take from you guys over there if, if we had a like a tagging system and you pay you said you paid money to be able to shoot what you what you what you're chasing. We could probably probably benefit that benefit from that in a way, um, and then put money back into um, like I said managing the species and. It's just, it's just, it's just, it is just a good way to like, sort of make everyone happy. Like keeps the keeps the department happy, keeps the hunters happy, keeps the farmers happy. Like everything's sort of managed well, and um, and yeah, so like I said, like, that's definitely one thing that Australia could benefit from or, t- or take out of the, the right. US's books. Yeah. So, yeah. There's, there's actually like two things that I want to go in like with that answer, just because it's, it's awesome. You know, you talk about like conservation and where our money goes to, you know, you have like just seen some of the footage that you and Nick and the guys and and Adam put out there, like it's beautiful country, right? You know, you said too, you just turned 24 and you've been doing this for your whole life, basically, you know, what kind of tactics are you using out there and like the terrain features and the tactics that you're using? Yeah. So the terrain and stuff that I sort of hunt, is just really, it's really just sort of rolly sort of hills, like not too, like it is, it is mountainous just to, to a point, but they're not really, um, like what I what I'd call steep steep mountains. It's just sort of this rolly sort of hills with gully systems and um, a few creeks and stuff like that, and then a lot of um, open benches and and, and flats. Um, the way, like I said, the way I've always hunted my whole life, the way my, my dad has taught me, and everyone who else I've hunted with has just been spot and stalk. Um, you pull up pull up to an area that you want to sort of hunt. You'll um, assess assess the wind, um, see which see which way is going to be the best way to go, and then you, I said, you basically just walk and. Keep, keep your eyes out and your ears out and it's obviously, obviously like having having knowledge of the area um helps as well like i said have, having time time in the bush as we sort of call it is one of the, one of the biggest things like knowing the areas the animals are and um they're, what, like the, where they're sort of living what they're doing where they're sleeping um is a really is a really big thing um just going, just going for the going for the walks and sort of hunted um, and like I said, dur- dur- during the rut, um, calling, like calling is, is probably one of the, like, one of the best tactics to, to bring the deer in. Uh, like I said, it, it's def- definitely still possible to, to spot them and stalk them. But when there's a stag and he's got 10 hinds with him, it's like, it's a lot of set of eyes to, to, um, to try and navigate through and get close. But like I said, ca- calling can be beneficial. Like I said, if you if you've got like a really aggressive stag, you can, um, mimic, another stag in the, in the, in the area and try and get them to come and have a fight. Um, that's actually how I, how I shot my red stag this year. The, um, the stag that I shot was hanging off, uh, what, 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 what he was the dominant stag until another guy come in and took his, took his hinds, um, and which, which then pushed him out. And then he was just obviously really mad and, uh, looking, looking for a fight. So I just let out a couple of, um, a couple of roars and a couple of grunts and he came, he come flying into, to come and teach me a lesson. So yeah, that was, that's the, that's the way I've sort of hunted with, with deer and stuff as well. So I said, call, calling is a big thing. And, um, I said, the, the weather, the weather comes down to it's just being a little, a little bit cooler, cooler temperatures is probably the, is, is good, is good for the, the deer. Like it brings them into season and, um, really, really gets the stags all revved up. And, um, and yeah, so that's, that's the, that's the way we sort of, we sort of hunt in Australia. It's like a lot of it's spot and stalk and you can try and position yourself to ambush, um, ambush things like you guys do with tree stands. Like I have, I personally have never, never tree stand hunted over here. Like it's definitely, definitely not a thing that you would see or you'd call normal over here. Um, I said, most people will spot and stalk 
and um, like I said, you can you can set up like ground blinds and like, or temp- temporary like blinds on dams or water systems or food sources. That can, that can be definitely a, an effective way to to hunt. But I said, not I'd say ninety percent of people over here would would be spotting stock guys. Now, when you're doing most of your scouting, are you utilizing trail cameras? Do you just normally just glass since it is a little more open? How do you kind of prepare for most of your hunts? So uh, glass glassing is definitely the the number one thing that we do. Like having having a good quality set of optics and just putting time behind the time behind the binoculars is is um like I said, it's like one of those things is just gain, gaining knowledge of the area. Um, like I said, we don't, like I said, because we can hunt sort of 365 days a year, you're always sort of carrying a, like carrying a bow with you or carrying a rifle or whatever. So, um, you're always sort of hunting, like you don't really have a, like a scouting session where you just go out and just look for, look for animal numbers or anything. You can't, you kind of always hunting, but, um, we do, we do have truck trail cameras. Like I've never really until, until recent years, I've never really delved into putting trail cameras out to, um, to find, to find, to find, to find and locate animals. Um, it's always just been, you go for a hunt and see what you see, what you see and make plans from that sort of thing. But like I said, with um, the, the last sort of 12 months where I've been able to get as much time in, in the in the bushes as I can, I've really sort of stepped up my hunting game and knowledge of the areas and, and where animals sort of are. So it's been, it's been really good this year so far to get out and pre- like pretty much all, like every time I'll, I'll get onto something that's quite, in, in what, what I'd call a, like a shoot, like a shooter boar sort of thing, or, or a shooter buck, or um, like I said, it's, it's just been it's been really good this year with the with the the time I've been able to spend out there with the like I said behind the glass and um, the knowledge I've been able to gain so far this year. So yeah, that's cool. Now you know one thing a lot yeah, of people in the United States can can take from this is you you do do a lot of spot and stock and and, and a lot of Western hunts which is spot and stock style is right around the corner you know you're talking August is a month away yeah. where Utah is going to be opening up and then you got elk season coming up in September for Colorado and some other states you know so talk a little bit. You know, you've been spot and stalking your whole life. What are some mistakes people make or some suggestions that you would give people, you know, whether it's coming up with a game plan once you spot an animal, whether it's kind of how you uh, quietly uh, stalk towards that animal, things that you've dealt with in the past and maybe made a mistake that you kind of can give some people suggestions, whether you're in Australia hunting stag or you're hunting mule deer here in the United States you know, you're going to go through the similar process and, and still make those same mistakes. Yeah. So I would back biggest thing I would say for anyone that's trying to spot and stalk is, is the wind. The wind is the, the number one killer of all stalks. Uh, it'll, it'll blow more animals out than anything um, that you'll come across. Like um, get, getting the wind, the wind right is the absolute number one, number one thing. Obviously, obviously being, being camel, being camouflaged or having your outline or your silhouette broken up is, is pretty important for, for their sight. And obviously being quite um, no, very, very, very important as well. But for, for us, like it's where anyone's sort of spotting stalking and it, go, it goes for sitting in tree stands as well. You've got to have the, got to have the wind right. But I said the, the wind is the, is the number one thing that I always, always make sure of when I'm hunting. I so said I carry a, like, a, like a wind puffer that has like corn flour in it. Um, constantly always checking the wind like for, for changes and, because a lot, a lot of the times in the wind will be consistent one way, and then you go into a gully system, and it'll be completely, and it completely, completely different, or it'll be swirling. Um, and like you, you'll spot, you'll spot an animal down in the gully, and um, you go, you go, you start, start to make your stalk, and then the wind will swirl, and they'll blow, blow out. Um, so it, it's about, the wind is the number one thing that I can recommend to people. Like, and and I've sort of hunting early mornings and, and late afternoons, like just with your with your mountain thermals, um, like your thermals will. Um, like I said, it goes by the theory like hot air rises. So like in the mornings um, and late afternoons, when it starts to cool down, your wind will be drifting downwards. And throughout the day, once it starts to heat up, yeah, your, your, your wind will start to go up the hill. So you've got to try and keep keep those sorts of things in, in mind when you're planning your stalks. Um, like hunt, hunting hunting middle of the day, you can sort of wait. You can sort of be half confident that the wind will be sort of sucking up the hill, and you can try and make try and plan a stalk around there. But like I said, if something's down in, in the gully, like I said having a gallery system can really stuff the wind up. It'll, um, let's say it can chop, chop and change and just take it down different drawers and stuff like that. So 
the uh, the animals definitely don't put themselves in those positions for no reason. <laughs> they're very smart and they they they're definitely smarter than us most of the time. So you've got to you've got to be on your game 110, percent and they've got to be off their game by by two percent. So um, I said num- number one thing for me when I'm hunting and spotting stalking is the wind. Well, that's what I know. When we went out to Utah last year, which was our first Western style hunt where we were spotting and stalking, I know the hardest thing for me was when you're making that stock of how quiet you got to be, right? And how difficult that is. You know, we, you kind of watch videos and, you know, people are moving slowly and they just take their shoes off and they kind of stalk to the animal and then you see them harvest it or at least get a shot opportunity or get close to that animal. You know, when we were out there, I, I didn't really realize how difficult that is, you yeah. know, whether how loose the rock is or, you know, how the little bit of a noise from that rock is going to alert those deer because, I mean, uh, there are predators for them, right? So that, that rock could be, you know, whether it's a coyote or a bear or a wolf in, in certain areas. And, and so they're going to be alert to those noise, which is going to be similar to that or a human, right? Yeah. So. Uh, I think that was one of the biggest challenges for me when we were kind of, when you're not used to that style of hunt. As a main whitetail hunter, especially here in the East, we're always used to having, to, having the game come to us, right? Like we, we, we are, like you said, we're ambushing. We got to be in that right spot and you know, we, we picked them off basically. Right. So, or right, right spot, right timing. So when, when we, Dimitri and I had did go out West last year, and you know you had a spot you had you stocked on what two like yeah i probably had two stocks yeah two stocks and like like legit stocks i had one kind of like what you were saying dimitri like it it was fascinating like i i didn't get a chance to i drew back i was on on a mule deer i uh, did not let the arrow go but i at afterwards and watching them bound away it was a bittersweet moment because I was just so ecstatic that I had that first stock like that, that first opportunity to go out there and do that. But yeah, it, 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 it was definitely something, a new challenge that was awesome and fun at the same time. And so it's always fun, very fun stuff, spotting and stalking. It's just get you, get you really close into the, um, in, into the game. So it's uh, always, um, always gets the heart pumping. That's for sure. That's awesome. Now, Jack, talk about, you know, like you said, you're, you're going out there a ton, you're hunting a lot. You've been putting in, in a lot of time more so recently, these last six months, like you said, you know, what kind of public private, like how much, how much land do you have actually to go out there? Do you run into any situations where you need to have permission from a farmer to get on, on their land? So my hunting experience has always been through private, privately owned land. Like I've always, like I've always been very lucky in that, in that aspect. Um, my dad, being, like, so he, he's he's had a lot of friends like growing up that have had good access and stuff like that. And with um, like my dad has access to a, to a to a really good property that we that we go to. That's a good family, a sort of good family friend of ours. Um, and so we're very lucky that he he lets us lets us come up and pretty much hunt sort of whenever we want. Um, there is a few things that we can do in Australia, like hunt like state forests and stuff like that, and those sort of public lands. Um, those sorts of places. Like they, like they previously did require a license like um to go hunting in there like so you gotta have i um, mean like there's like rifle times where you gotta wear um like obviously like orange hats and whatever to just sort of hunt in those places but majority majority of people will hunt a uh like a privately owned space um like so i, I personally have access to uh, i think it's thirteen and a half thousand acres of uh, of land which is um so it's, it's, that's a sort of a massive sort of privately owned property over here um and I said, like, majority of people will have some kind of access like that, and it, it can it can be very difficult to have sort of hunting access. Like that might be might be one of the re- like, it's probably one of the main reasons why a lot of people sort of don't hunt over here with with a, as, as much because like it, it is very hard to get a, a access to a, to, a, to hunt like to hunt a place. So um, obviously, I've always been very fortunate and very lucky with that aspect. I've always always been able to sort of go away whenever we sort of wanted and put in the, put in the time to. Like I said, get get to know the area and learn the look, learn the animals and, and stuff like that. That's like that's one of the really good really good things that we have over here. And that's to yeah, having having that access has always been been a big thing for me. It is time for this week's Vortex Nation highlight. Yo, what's up, Jeremy Troy from Dietrich's Outfitters here to give you guys an early season hunting tip. Now this one's for all the mobile hunters out there. Get out and know your gear. Figure out what's clicking, what's clanking. 
Figure out how to pack everything efficiently inside your pack. Figure out your climbing equipment, your sticks, your aiders, your tree stands, your saddles, whatever it is. Now, we all know how important it is to shoot our bows and go scouting before the season starts, but I don't think people put in the time actually practicing with their gear. So get out, climb some trees, and bring all your stuff with you. Don't just climb up and down the trees. Actually bring your bow with you, bring your gear straps, bring your binoculars, your range finders, and do a full setup. Do this one, two, three, four times a week if you can, up until season. The speed is good, but stealthiness trumps speed. So get out there, get practicing, get super comfortable with it. Do it so many times that you can just do it with your eyes closed because half the time we're out there, we're setting up in the dark anyway. We want to iron out all those little kinks so we are confident when it comes to the hunting season. This confidence is going to make you more successful this season. So get out there, get the stealth strips, get the hockey tape, get the carabiners right, get it all figured out now, and you're going to have a better season. And I'm sure probably the biggest challenge you guys face is finding time to practice to shoot your bow, right? <laughs> I mean, if you can hunt 365, I mean, when do you kind of bite bite the, the nail and, and say, well, let's spend this week shooting or, yeah. you know, trying to practice <laughs> a little bit when you could definitely be out there in the field? No, that, that, that's basically, like, so you can, you basically, you're basically practicing when you're hunting sort of thing, but no, I, um, you, you, you do find, find the time to put a few practice shots down, like I said, yeah. If, you, if, you, if you're planning for a trip, like a lot of people will put in the time, like every afternoon after work, they might chuck a dozen arrows down range or something to, to make sure their bow is finely tuned. But um, for, a lot, for a lot of people, they'll, they'll go hunting and they'll, and they'll practice while, while they're in camp. They'll just make sure their bow's all set up and not, nothing sort of moved. Like that's one, like one, of the main, like one of the benefits about obviously having a compound bow and having it all, all locked in and your sights set up and everything, everything nice and dialed because – most the job, like ninety five percent of the time, it, it doesn't really change. Like there will there will be things that make it change. Like it's a, you can it could take a bump. Like when, you, when you're driving, if you can take a knock, you could fall. I can knock your side or something like that. So there there is times that you got to you got to definitely make sure that your your setup's dialed in, and you obviously owe, owe it to the owe it to the animal to to make sure you're going to be a hundred percent on your game and get the job done. So um, like I said, a lot of a lot of people will find the time pre hunt to to make sure they're dialed in and um, and yeah, hitting, hitting the right spot. Last time, well, not I shouldn't say the last time, but one of the couple of weeks ago, you were on a hunt with Nick, and you sent me that uh, footage of you guys in the crazy wind and, and storm, and just hanging out on, under that little bivy and stuff like that. Like yeah. what? So uh, you just talked about it, making sure your your bows solid and set up. Like you guys got to be hunting in some awesome, like obviously gear, and it's it's probably really important. Like you know, you hear here, ah, oh, you could hunt in flannels, and you know, my great grandfather did that for many years, and you know, like for Dimitri and I, like we we wear first light, and we've grown to lo the love it because of it works for us and it's great quality stuff for 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 what we're doing and, and good people too behind it. You know, you got to have some good clothing in the back country, you know, whether, you know, yeah. it's, whether you're going out West, whether you're here, you know, if you're investing in something for yourself to, uh, be comfortable while you're hunting to, to go out there farther, to go stay out there longer. Right. So, I mean, you're in some nasty stuff out there. Like, you know, have you noticed too, like over the years, like your stash progression, progressing to be like, not, I don't want to say higher end stuff, but stuff that is going to keep, like, keep you out there longer. One hundred percent. You got. You've always. You got to have the. You got to have the best gear that you can sort of. That you can sort of manage. Like, yeah. I've through like through my through my younger years, like I um didn't so much have great uh great hiking boots. So I um just used the old work boots with, with steel cap toe ends and stuff like that. Like, yeah. it was sort of just whatever you, whatever you can sort of grab to to manage sort of thing. But definitely, as my experiences grew up, like, and I've and I've learned that. Having good quality gear always always helps you out in the in any aspect. Like I said, having the, like the stuff like the best stuff that you can get is um is a is like one one of the best things that like one, one of the the key things to having success. Like I said, having having some gear that can allow you to stay out a little bit longer might give you that opportunity that you might not have gotten if you didn't have quite the quite the right gear. Like I said, but the other day when I was out with um obviously out with Nick that used that when I, when I sent you that video, um we had like I, we we both run. QU, QU gear, like all their, all their wet weather gear, all their warm stuff. Like we, we were pretty, we were, um, we were pretty warm and pretty dry. Um, surprisingly, I, I think that those, those weather conditions were absolutely terrible. Yeah. 
Um, but the, the one, the one thing, the one mistake that I made there was that set, setting up our little, our little tarp that we were sitting under. I, um, I took my, I took my gloves off to do some of the finer stuff, like setting up the ropes and stuff. And I took my, took my gloves off and literally within like five, 10 seconds, my hands started to swell up and, um, started, started to freeze. And, um, when I tried to get my gloves back on because they were swollen, I couldn't, I couldn't get my hands back in the gloves. So that was, that was a, a big, big mistake that I, that I made. I, um, definitely regret that because my whole body was warm and my hands are absolutely freezing. And I said, uh, when, when we when we finally decided you know, to get off the mountain and head back to the, head back to camp, um, once we got back, it took, it took, it took, it took like an hour, hour and a half for my hands to like defrost cause they were, they were literally frozen. So, um, yeah, have, having, having the good quality gear is def, definitely a, a benefit in any aspect. Like I said, I, I personally use QU now. Um, it's, it's, it's served me well. It feels, it feels really good. Um, very comfortable to wear. Like a lot of the, a lot of the seams, like I've, I've had some, some gear previously where some of the seams and stitchings, uh, uh, that, like they're good, but they're not kind of like the palm. I'll, I'll scratch your legs and stuff. Like, I'll scratch your legs a little bit and or your, or your arms. And um, but you know, having having good quality gear that just feels comfortable to wear is um, is a def, definitely a, a big thing to success in the mountains. So now I think you know right now, especially for us. I mean, not so much you since you're hunting 365, but you know we're kind of in the summer months. You know, deer season's right around the corner, so you know, people are getting their bows out a little bit more if they haven't already. And, yep. you know, I know I've been shooting for a while now, but I'm really starting to gear, uh, gear up on, on my shooting and, and getting ready for the hunting season. You know, can you talk a little bit about things you work on when you're shooting, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, anywhere from, uh, working on your sequence of drawing your bow, your grip, uh, you know, what you do while you're kind of aiming, on your pins and, and just go through some tips and tricks that you may be able to give somebody that, that you kind of work on yourself or have made mistakes in the past. Yeah, 100%. So my sort of shot sequence that I'll, that I'll take when I'm about to shoot is obviously I'll knock, knock my arrow, look at, look at like sort of look at what I'm I'll obviously get, get the range or um, if, if I'm shooting traditionally, just sort of just look, just look where I want to, where I want to shoot. Um, take the sort of the, the weight of the, the weight of the string, draw, I draw back. One, one of the big things that I always do when I, um, when I draw back is I draw my bow back with my eyes closed, um, find what, find my anchor point. Um, and, uh, then I then open my eyes to see if my peep or anything's moved or anything in, in the shot sequence. But then if I, if I draw back and I make a point and, and something's changed, I'll, I'll know, like, especially with, um, it's like your peep can get caught on a, on a bit of, like on a branch or a bit of brush sort of thing and move or, Whatever. So always, that's one big big thing that I always pay attention to is my is my peep sight. Um, but when, when I, whenever I'm practicing, I'm always just going going through the sequence, just taking it um taking it like nice and steady and slow, and just just going through the motions. And um, I've always I've never really been a, a uh, I've never really been per- perfect on my form, but when it, it, it seems to work for me. Like a lot of people um, have have that sort of perfect form. They draw back and they just squeeze the trigger off, or, or they just just um just pull through the shot whereas i'm uh I, I sort of rest my my finger on the trigger and when i when I, when that arrow wants to go it's, it's going to go i'm a bit of a bit of a trigger puncher but like i said it se- seems to work for me that's probably one thing that i could definitely work on in the future and getting a smoother release but just just go, just going through all those little those little things that you do is is one one of the key aspects that you have to do when you're practicing just go through the motions do do everything do everything the same but one big thing that i've, that I've always done my dad taught me was to to draw back with your eyes closed and um, just make sure everything, everything lines up because there's, there's not, nothing worse when you're, you're out in that, in that key moment, like you've got a, like a big bull elk or like I said, for me, like a big red stag or a big, big mountain boar in front of you and you draw back and, and something's wrong. So it, it always pays to, to make sure everything's, everything, everything's in check and, and lining up. Well, you, I, I, you brought up a bunch of good points. And the one thing that I want you to kind of elaborate on too, Jack is, you know, I've, each week you're hammering something, right? And that's not, yeah. you know, and one, I, because you post it and I know what you're doing. So that, that's awesome for us. And I'm, I'm even saying for Dimitri and I, and most individuals like your average hunter over here, you know, let's say, let's just use a normal Pennsylvania individual. 
maybe they don't have opportunities to go out west. Maybe they don't have opportunities to go hunt in a, in a different state that starts in September. You know, like we're, we're going early to, to a different state to hunt in September. We're, and for, for whitetail. So it's, it's not like we're going out west. It's a nearby state. So we're doing that. And we are using that, like for me personally, I'm using that as let's go, let's knock the dust off. Let's go have fun. Let's go make memories. Let's go hopefully put some meat in the freezer and, and brush up on getting out there. You know what I mean? Like we are getting out there right now is shooting our bow and scouting, right? We don't have that opportunity. And, you know, if you see a deer bedded, like, yeah, we might go and do a little spot and stock to see how close we could get. But in all reality, that's not ever going to happen. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it could happen. I'm, I'm not saying, you know, but in reality, it's going to be slim to numb on that when the hunting season rolls around. You know, you talked about your process of practicing and shooting and, and what you're doing, right? You know, in that heat of the moment, it could be just because it ha it's happened to me. It's happened to Dimitri. You practice. You do You do everything in your power, like you said, to owe it to the animal. And then there's that heat of the moment, that buck. And, you know, they call it the buck fever. You know, is there something that yes. you've, you know, whether you're shooting your stag, whether you're shooting your, your big boar, whatever it is, is there something that you do to kind of calm your nerves or let something take over where you just hammer it? Yeah. So like, I've always like, I, I, def I definitely still experience those, those buck fever situations as well. And like I said, a lot of people will, like, especially when they don't hunt regularly, they'll like, when it comes to, comes down to that time, like they might get that one opportunity a year, yeah. like, especially if you guys, like you might have that one opportunity on that white tail, that one opportunity on that elk that you look forward to for the whole year. You build, build everything up to that moment and you, and you look for the, um, and so that buck fever hits you. I said, when I, when I try it, like when I have something like that in front of me, I, like I said, my heart's my heart's still sort of pumping, but I really I really try to just focus down on my on my, on my sight and just looking at like my bubble or and just, just really trying to burn. Like like I will go back to my to my dad again. He told me to to burn a hole through where where I want to hit. So if, if there's like a mark or a spot on like the on the animal, like for for us, like for the, for the mountain boars, there might be a um like a bit of mud like where I want to hit sort of thing. Like, yeah, that's what you you take. You take your your aim and aim for something really minuscule and really really focus on that on that point, um, rather than looking rather than looking at the whole animal and like looking at the massive rack or something like that. Yeah. It's got um, re really just focusing on that on that single point is one thing that's really helped me. Um, it it, take, it takes away a lot of it, it does it does take away a lot of that um, anxiety and stuff with the shot and 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 that excitement. No, I, should, I shouldn't say it takes away from the excitement because it's always exciting, but it really helps you calm your nerves and just focus up on, on where you want to hit. So that's definitely the number one thing that I would recommend for, for someone that's getting, just, just getting that sort of one opportunity or, um, let's say just dusting off the cold bags is, um, really focus on that one spot that you want to hit, whether it be like a tuft of fur or a bit of discoloration in their fur sort of thing, or they have a bit of, like a bit of, like a bush or a bit of, or a, or a leaf or something on, on their shoulder or something like that. Just that, that real tiny focus point. I guess it goes back to the saying, like, aim small, miss small. Yeah. So. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I know that's something that I really struggled on early on in archery. You know, I think a lot of, you know, whether you're new or you're, you're old into archery, I mean, I was always trying to get that pin so steady on on what i was aiming for you know and and which we all know is kind of almost impossible right that pin's gonna float and until i kind of grasp that concept of you know trying to almost stare down where you want to hit 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 your arrow and your pin's gonna follow there right you know so as long as kind of what jack said is as long as you're anchored correctly right and your peeps lined up if you kind of go through those steps and and that is all correct if you are staring at it directly where you want to shoot that pin's going to follow there and whether it's kind of floating a little bit and moving around if you don't pay attention to that little bit you're going to be a lot more accurate and then until i kind of realized and, and gained that concept and practice that you know you're you're going to get pretty accurate um pretty quickly if you can kind of get that down no, one hundred percent. Like I said, it, it comes back just uh, defining that focus point and um, and yeah, just, re just really focusing on that on that spot. And another thing that I've sort of sort of learnt, like again, again, my dad taught me. I'll give the I'll give the old man a shout out. He um, because I, I I found when I was sort of growing up and when I first sort of got sights and a, and a peep, is that I would aim with one eye one eye closed and on one and one eye open, and obviously we'd look down through the peep with my with my eye open. And that would, it would really, 
it made me sort of have a bit of target panic because I, I I would see the pe- I'd see the pin sort of floating and moving, and I would I would find it um, a bit hard to focus on on that point because the animal or the target would kind of be a little bit blurred in the background because my, all my focus through that one eye is on the pin. Um, whereas, like I said, you, if you I, I, now I shoot with both eyes open, um, which allows me to sort of bring the animal into into focus and brings the um the peeps sort of like not not out of focus, but they're not the sole the sole focus of my of my eye. Like I said, I'm I'm looking at the animal, I'm looking at the um the spot I want to hit, and it sort of just allows me like 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 Dimitri said, it just sort of brings that brings that peep that the pins to sort of float and just sort of find that find that sweet spot, and they'll just sit there um nice and steady. So that's that's another thing that I've I've definitely learned is I said each day right, everyone has their shot sequence, but for me having having my eyes open during the shot as well is is really um a benefit because it, it allows me to bring that bring that focus point past the past the site and actually under what I'm trying to trying to hit. I envy you too. <laughs> Dimitri could do that. I can't. I I've I've tried. Yeah. I've uh yeah, I just can't I've, I gotta tr- basically I gotta take a whole off season and train myself. That's just um, yeah. something that I would have to do. You know, it, it's it's capable. I just haven't done it. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, see, it's, it's, it's got, just got to find the time to yep. to try. Like, once you once you got a once you got a routine, like it's it's very hard to break that yeah. break that cycle. Oh. So you, it's like once once you've learned how to do something one way, it's very hard to train your mind to to do something different. That's for sure. Yeah. All right, Jack. So you talked about here's here's the fascinating thing. He goes out there, hunts a ton, hunts a ton of different species. You know, your setup is really important, right? We talked about like obviously your, the gear you're wearing, the gear you're you're hiking in the backcountry. So, it's really important to have the the correct setup with your bow, okay? And obviously, you're you're working with with Nexus bow hunting, you know, Nexus arrows, which I'm I'm shooting. I found them to be honestly, I I you know, this is not plugging. This is me being truth truthfully honest. We talked about it too on the podcast before with. Dimitri and I, I love them. I, I think they're they're fantastic arrows. You know, talk about having that proper setup for you, and you know, what are you running? What's your you know your total arrow weight setup? All that jazz because you know the last two years everybody's been geeking out over that type of stuff. You know, what's where what is allowing? Are you running different arrow setups? Or are you just running like this is my hitter? It's gained, it's brought me you know blood trails with my red stags to my boars to fallow deer everything what's what's your arrow set up and you know how could someone uh just go with that just go who, what is your setup yeah so obviously like i said having having that correct setup is is absolutely essential you've got to got to have a complete faith and complete trust in what you're using and for me like i said even if i i said even if i wasn't working with the nexus like just seeing the seeing the um what they can do and what they've the results that they've gotten, I would, I would still be shooting them anyway. Like, that's a completely un, unbiased opinion. Like they, they're really like super, super tough. But they, they just say like you can hit rocks, like shoulder blades, like anything like that, and you'll pretty much pick about your arrow back up at the other side. It'll be ready to go again. Um, so for, for me, having an, for, like for my for my setup, like I'm shooting a like a Matthews V3. Um, it's at 80 pound. Um, I'm shooting a a 250 spine Nexus Infinity shaft with a 75 grain. Um, titanium outsert, um, and with a with an Ozcut, well, at the, at the moment it's with, with an Ozcut three blade broadhead, like that, that's with a with a one inch sort of cutting diameter um, that that provides. It's the absolute dynamite setup for absolutely anything. Like I've I use that for for rabbits, foxes, goats, pigs, deer, you name it. It's the one the one setup all year round. Um, and like I said, like, that's having having that just that confidence in in what you're using is one of the biggest things. Like you can like I said, you have the those times that you have the, the one opportunity a year where you um you get that get that one opportunity on the animal that you've been chasing and you don't want anything to fail. So having that confidence in your setup and like I said, I've I've shot this this since now since since Nexus has launched um at the like the midpoint of last year. I've shot the same arrow, um same arrow length it come it comes in at a weight of um five hundred and seventy six grains from memory. Um I have I haven't uh, I haven't tested it for a while but so that was the that was like, that's that's the number that's popping out of me is five seventy six grains. Um, that's obviously probably super heavy for what you guys are probably used to over there in the in the states. Like I know, like Trust you guys, me, probably, people not are, anymore. Not anymore, man. People are running that. You know, not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. People are running that all the time now. No, I swear. I said ha- having having a heavy arrow is um has has so many so many benefits to it. Like 
it gives you a lot more kinetic energy behind the behind the arrow. Um, it's definitely a lot quieter as well, which would helps with the arrow flight, especially with with deer, which are extremely switched on animals. Like if they if they hear something and they and they jump the string, as, as we call it, like they they drop their back or they jump or or whatever. It's just having having those things that allow you to be more successful. Like I said, having having a hunt, heavy having a heavy arrow is is incredible. I said, especially shooting eighty pounds as well. Like I there's not many, there's not much that I can't really um can't really shoot like i can i can probably kill m- most most things in, in the world with that with that setup and um like i always used to be a uh, a two blade person um until sort of the start of this year i um i started to delve into the multi-blade stuff a little bit more and i found great success with the with having a three blade. like that extra blade just really really helps me so for me, for me, it's a uh, the Nexus two fifty Nexus two fifty with a, a seventy five grain titanium and a one fifty grain Oz cut up front, and that brings me up to the I said around that five seventy five five eighty mark with my arrow weight. Nice. Well, right now with uh, just the aluminum outsert with mine, I'm at four ninety five, uh, and that is uh, with the one twenty five head. And man, my my Nexus is screaming them like my my prime nexus 4 that thing is shooting super 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 awesome uh i like i haven't put the broadheads on i kind of just you know i've been shooting my targets pretty good uh i i saved two targets just for me to kind of really hammer the with the broadhead just that way i have some some shooting life on those targets but yeah. i'm excited excited to try the oz cuts as well the hurricane and the three blade and so yeah, I'm like I said, I'm putting, I'm hopefully going to be putting some to test for where we're going early season because we got a lot of doe tags with, with that tag as well as uh, a buck tag that comes with it, and then you could buy another buck tag as well. So you, could, I could potentially go into that state that weekend with with six tags, <laughs> and I, you know, it'd be cool to film. <laughs> <laughs> you know maybe Absolutely. you know that that would be fantastic but uh yeah i i you know you talk about to the the toughness and the longevity of of the nexus arrows you know the one thing that i love you talk talk a little bit about the diameter of of that arrow shaft as well as like the inner wall thickness yeah so it's a micro obviously a micro diameter shaft it's uh 4.2 millimeters on the on the id um the inner, the inner wall is about I mean, it's 1.6 to 1.7 millimeters. Like I said, super, super sort of thick for an hour. It's, um, like you said, like with the 250, it's like the 250s I'm using. It's extremely sort of sort of thick and tough. Like you can you can bend them over your knee. You can you can, be, you can not snap them up there. Like I, I've seen like 100 kilo pigs and stuff roll over them, and you put, literally pull them out. Um, there, like pull them out through the animal sort of thing. So, like I said, they're super, super tough. And just having, like I said, it goes back to having that confidence in your gear, like knowing knowing how tough that arrow is going to be like taking on like i said that could be a big bull elk or it could be a it could be a bear sort of thing um having having that full confidence in what's what's like what you what you're shooting is is essential and i said like i said for me for me that having that having that confidence is is awesome it's that's it like I said, it goes goes back it goes back to the, like the longevity of the arrows like i said and again like you're you're, buy, you're buying a dozen arrows you want them to be tough so you can so you can reuse them sort of thing um I said I've I've always had arrows previously where I'd I'd shoot them and I might not get them back. I said you can always always lose arrows, but um, I said pick, picking them up and they, they go through an animal and they hit a rock or they hit like a log or something and the tip splits or the insert snaps or or whatever. It's it's just having that. I said for 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 people that that are buying like buying arrows and stuff like that. That's one of the big things as well. You're gonna you're gonna get your arrow back ninety percent of the time. So yeah. Now here's one question for you. Could you give an individual a little tip or training on how to go ahead and sharpen your three blade head? Yes, so that, that is definitely a question that we uh, get, <laughs> definitely get asked a lot here at uh, at Osco, how to how to sharpen them. Um, so for for us, like what we do is just with a diamond stone or just a file, um, anything that's sort of flat that you can that you can lay the lay the blades down. Like that's how they're designed. Like I said, I think it's a, I think it's a thirty degree. 30 degree blade that uh, it, it sits down, which, which allows it to sit flush on a flat surface. Um, so it's literally just sit down on a diamond stone or a wet stone with like a little bit of oil, like a little bit of cutting oil always helps. Um, and it's just, I go through and just do a, a sequence. I go three each side, two each side, one each side, I sort of feel for the burr and how, how sharp it is. If it needs another, another go, I go through again. And just each time I go through lighter and lighter and it eventually comes out super razor sharp. Like I said, I'm, I'm always a bit pedantic in my, with my, with my 
a shark me. I want it to be absolutely razor sharp. Like you can, you can ask Nick and Adam and all that stuff. I said, well, I'm, I'm always, always sitting there. I pretty much after every hunt, well, we'll come back. I said, I, I couldn't, I couldn't have even pulled an arrow out of the, an arrow out of the quiver and I'll go back and resharpen my whole, all my, <laughs> my whole quiver sort of thing. So I'm very, very OCD with that sort of thing. Like it, it's, um, okay. It's, it's probably not a bad thing to, to be OCD about, but, no. um, but yeah, so that, that's, that's the way I was sort of sharpening my, uh, sharpen my three blades. It's just on a, yeah, so a diamond stone or a whetstone. Um, and yeah, they, they always come up sort of razor sharp. So just ha- having that sort of kind of, that kind of technique. And I so said, I've always, I've always known, known how to sharpen stuff. Like so pre- previous to this job, I was a, uh, a fitter and machinist. So I, I kind of understand how angles and stuff like that and how to, how to work things and how to sharpen things. So it's, it's definitely, definitely one of those, one of those skills to have. That's sweet. Now going a little bit further into arrow, you see this question come up a lot on whether it's YouTube videos or podcasts and, Maybe you can give what your opinion is as the four fletch versus the three fletch on arrows. You know, give your take of what yes. you prefer and, 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 you know, a little bit of the difference between the two. Right, yeah. So, no, 100%. We, I use three inches by, by three fletch. Um, that just kind of gives you the best of all the worlds, like with speed, stealth, um, and stability. Um, like a lot of people that are trying to shoot like, like blaze veins or a two inch, like two inch vein. They're trying to go for a little bit more speed will kind of lack a little bit of stability in those sort of longer range shots, like during wind or whatever. Um, which like, so the, the, like having a micro, I, I, micro, um, ID, like micro diameter shafts will help out as well. Cause it's obviously less wind drag and doesn't get caught in the breeze. But I uh, said so for me, having a, having a three fletch with a, a three inch main, um, gives you the best of basically everything. You get speed, stealth, stability. Um, so that's, that's my kind of personal preference with that. So a lot of people said so everything works. Like you can, there's, no, there's nothing saying you can't use um, four two-inch veins or four 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 three-inch veins or whatever. Um, having those, having a four fletch is definitely going to help, going to assist you in um, like longer range shots with stability and through wind and whatever. It's I said it, come, it comes down to personal preference, like what you want. Like if you're if you're going to be taking like 60, 70, 80 meter shots at an elk or or mule, or mule deer in the open country, and it, it would probably assist you to have a four inch uh, sorry like a, a four fletch arrow so um whereas if you're gonna if you're gonna be shooting like white tail in the in the bush at say sub 20 meters or sub 20 yards like having a, a three inch like a, having a three fletch would probably assist you to give you a bit more bit more speed sort of thing but like i said it, it comes down to the what you're targeting what you're sort of hunting and um what your personal preference is like i so said i use the same arrow for absolutely everything so three inches by three uh, by three veins is, is the setup I go with. Nice. What, uh, what, cause I know you guys are doing the custom setups for individuals, which is awesome. You know, what, what's co- going out the door more so three veins or four? Uh, three veins definitely goes out the door more. Um, so a lot, a lot of people sort of just go, just go with the three inch, the three inch by three. Cause that's, like I said, that's what, that's what we use. That's what I tell everyone that I use. Um, I said it works for me. So, Hopefully they're uh, they're take, taking my opinion and taking that on board and and going with that. But so like a lot a lot of people will run the, the three inch by three veins. It seems to be the the most popular. So a few a few people come out and want um, like four by two inch veins or um, four by three. But I said I'd say probably seventy percent of the orders are um, three inch by three veins. Nice man. Well, quickly before we get off, talk a little bit about that. How could someone, you know, contact you, get some some fresh uh, dozen arrows? Because listen, here right now, you know, our buddy Bill uh, did a podcast where it's like the procrastinator right now. Like what, like guys that are waiting that last minute. It is hard to get to to get your hands on certain types of items. You know, it's it's arrows. It's you know your people's in, individuals getting bows, and then on top of it, bow shops are getting swamped with getting bows in stock. And you know, you might have put in an order back in March, and your bow just came in right now. So, if you know Dimitri bought a new bow, and I want my bow that I already have worked on, it's going to be a while. You know, so you know, I know you guys are pumping them out, doing a good job with that. You know, what if someone needs a dozen arrows and and they're interested? What what kind of what off opportunities do you have? So like, obviously we've got our, uh, our Instagram, like Nexus bow hunting. That's, that's probably the, if, if you're looking to get some advice or, um, get us to talk, kind of talk you through a build and get you through your setup and what you want to use and like, what's the, what can be the best for what you want to target, like your species or whatever. Going through the DMS is definitely probably the, the best way to contact us. Like I so said, we have the support email, which I, which I run and 
and get to get to daily. But um, the the, the the DMs is probably the the um the best way to, to contact us. And so we're we're very active on there, and um, yeah, so we're, we're we're very active on there and try to try to get to all the, the DMs every every day and constantly talk with people. So I said I said you can contact us via pers- personal Instagram accounts as well. But so we're very very, very active on the on the Nexus the Nexus DMs and talking through people talking to people through there and getting them the setup that they want and. Um, what's going to suit them best for, for the species they're targeting and what they want to do. So awesome, man. Next is the next is Instagram. That's good. I like it. Well, Jack, you know, where could people find you? Obviously you just talked about Nexus bow hunting, uh, on Instagram, you know, what's, what's your Instagram handle and where could people find you at? Yeah. So uh, my Instagram handle is at Jack Creek. It's got, I've got two eyes, uh, past the, past the R and past the R in my, in my last name. But you said, oh yeah, I just on the, the Nexus instagram and stuff you'll you'll see me tagged a fair bit on the on the page there with the with the, the posts and whatever so yes yeah, so anyone wants to contact me there it's yeah i'm all ears and happy to happy to chat awesome so yeah instead of watching you know following us or other individuals <laughs> that only post maybe what happened last year or two years ago follow jack he posts something new each week that just happened <laughs> so it, it's all going down out down there buddy well jack thank you so much for coming on i appreciate you taking the time everybody go check out nexus bow hunting check out ozcut broadheads and, and what jack's doing it's 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 awesome stuff great individual thank you so much for coming on buddy appreciate it till next time everybody antler up that's a wrap for another episode of the antler up podcast thank you jack for coming on and make sure you go check us out over at antlerupoutdoors.com our facebook page instagram youtube and until next time everybody antler up